God's Word comes to us from Exodus chapter 30. Exodus 30. We'll be reading just the first 10 verses of this chapter. Exodus 30, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them. And they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put it in front of the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we continue our study of the tabernacle and its furnishings, those Old Testament pictures uh, that point us forward to the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have looked at the furnishings of the tabernacle in the courtyard, the altar for burnt offering and the basin for washing. Then we moved into the holy place. We looked at the lampstand and the table for the bread. And now we come to the last uh, piece of furniture in the holy place, and that is the altar for incense. And once again here, we have a picture for us uh, of the work of Jesus Christ. But there's more going on here in this particular furnishing. Most of the furnishings so far have been focused on God's work toward us, what God has done for us. But in the altar of incense, we no longer have that, the, the work of Christ as well, but also it speaks of our response to God because of what he has done for us. This was the last piece of furnishing before they would go into the most holy place and spoke not only of God's work toward us, we're going to look at that, but also of, of our response to God for all the things he has done for us, all these pictures we've seen already in the burnt offering altar and the basin and all these other furnishings as well. We looked at the altar for incense. 
And we see it was similar in some ways to the other altar, the altar in the courtyard. Uh, both the altar in the courtyard and this altar are made of wood. Uh, both the altar in the courtyard and this uh, altar are overlaid with metal. Uh, but there are some obvious differences uh, that are very obvious to us. Uh, one is the altar for sacrifice was in the courtyard. This altar in the holy place, a different location. The altar in the courtyard was covered with bronze. That was the metal covering that altar. This altar covered with gold. And I think, kids, uh, you've heard me say it enough. That if I asked you, why is this altar covered with gold and the one in the courtyard is covered in bronze, you would be able to tell me. It has to do with our approach toward God. And even as we get closer to God, the metals that are used in the tabernacle become more precious. This is a golden altar of incense. And it was an altar not for sacrifice. It was an altar particularly for incense. That's spelled out for us in verse 9, where it says, You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. It had a very particular distinct function. It was an altar for incense. As I said, these other furnishings we've looked at have talked about God's work toward us. The altar of burnt offering, the forgiveness of sins we have because of the work of Jesus Christ, the basin for washing, the ongoing cleansing of sin we have in the blood of Christ. The lampstand, a, a light for service, a lamp according to God's word that we might serve him. And the bread from last time, God's provision for his people, God's work toward us. Now in the altar of incense, the focus changes just a bit. Because the incense is offered from the people to God. Now that is done by the priest on behalf of the people. But this was an offering of incense that was going from the people through the priest up to God himself. That's different than the other furnishings we've looked at. And I know it's, it's um, hard to keep the big picture in mind when we look at a text here, a text here, a text here. But if you'd read, read the whole second half of the book of Exodus, you would notice that the other furnishings, the other furnishings are all mentioned earlier in Exodus. Mentioned in Exodus 25. This one is not mentioned there. The altar of incense is not mentioned until Exodus 30, when the others are going to be repeated as well. What happened between Exodus 25 and Exodus 30? We have the institution of the priesthood described in the priestly garments and their ordination. This is a ministry from the priest on behalf of the people to God. And so now this altar is described for us, the altar of incense 
incense offered by the priest for the people unto God. A particular function than the other things we've seen before. I have on the outline tonight um, its typical meaning. And again, I hope by now you get the sense of what that word typical means. Not uh, regular, not ordinary. That's how we use the word typical today. You know, it's typical uh, so-and-so shows up late or it's typical that they do a particular thing. That's not the way we use the word typical. We're talking about typical in something that points us away from itself to the work of Christ. Typology. A type in the Old Testament pointing us forward to Christ. The typical meaning. And I've said again and again, in order for something to be a type, it must first be a symbol. Something has to be a symbol first to the people. And then it is possible it can be a type pointing us forward to Christ. So what is the symbol in the incense being offered on the altar? First we'll look at the symbol, then look at the type. Well, if you were listening carefully earlier, when I read from Psalm 141, uh, you caught the reference to incense in that psalm. Psalm 141. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands, the posture of prayer, as the evening sacrifice. What is the symbol of incense for the people? Incense was a symbol of their prayers going up to God. We see that not only in the Psalms, we see that elsewhere in Scripture. We see that in the book of Revelation. Been going through a wonderful study of Revelation with uh, Brother Aaron leading us on Wednesday nights. I encourage you to take part in that. Beautiful pictures in Revelation. Revelation 5, we read this. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The symbol of incense is a symbol of prayers, our prayers toward God. Again, in Revelation, this time in chapter 8, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with the golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar. And the smoke of the altar and the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. What's the symbol? The symbol is the prayers of God's people. As the incense would rise, it would be a picture, it would be a symbol to them of their prayers rising up to God. It's a little different focus. Not first of all God's work toward us, but our response to Him. That He is a God who hears the prayers of His people. I think it's easy for us to forget how significant that is. 
God hears the prayers of his people. <clears throat> I had the blessing of growing up uh, in a Christian home, uh, going to a Christian church my whole life, uh, attending Christian schools. Uh, prayer was just a part of our life in our family. Uh, we would pray before every meal that we had. We would pray after every meal that we had. We would pray uh, before going on vacation. We would pray before bed at night. Our lives were filled with prayer, and that was a wonderful thing. That was a blessed thing. But when, when, when you have that, that blessing constantly surrounding you, it's easy to forget how important, how significant that is. We have access to God. We have access to the God who created and upholds everything that we see around us. The God who made the heavens and the earth listens to our prayers. He listens to us when we call out to Him. He listens to our prayers as they rise up to Him like incense. And He does not turn a deaf ear. We have access to the God, the Creator of the universe. I don't know if you've... Uh, ever tried uh, writing your congressman or writing the governor about some particular thing going on and you always wonder you know do they get that letter and some aide uh, looks at that letter and reads that letter and just tosses it in the garbage god never tosses our prayers in the garbage god hears us when we call he he listens to the prayers of his people this wonderful blessing Pictured in the incense altar, our incense rising up to God, having access to the King of the universe. What a privilege. What a blessing. What a glorious reminder for God's people then and for God's people now. When we pray, God hears our prayers. That was the symbol for Israel. That's the symbol for us. But since this was a symbol, it is also a type Yes, God hears us when we pray. But notice, it was the priest who would actually offer the incense and those incense prayers going up to God. The people giving the uh, incense to the priest, the priest offering the incense. The priest brought the incense on behalf of the people. A picture of the ongoing work of Jesus Christ as our great high priest, as our intercessor, the one who brings our prayers to God, the one who prays for us. We think of a text like Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, we read this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Jesus Christ, the one who died, more than that, the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus Christ, at the right hand of God, interceding for his people. Praying for us, kids. Jesus prays for us. When, when Jesus went from earth back to heaven, his work of high priest did not cease. Now, when he was on earth, his high priest was offering up himself for the sake of his people. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But that work didn't, change, didn't, didn't stop when he went from earth to heaven. His work changed. Now his work was the work of intercession, the work of the priest at the incense altar who intercedes, who prays for his people. The book of Hebrews talks about that in Hebrews chapter 7. We read there in Hebrews 7, 25, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus continually interceding, praying for us, his people. The high priest would, would do their task. The high priest would come and the high priest would go. But Jesus Christ is our eternal intercessor. The one who is not in the presence of an earthly holy place. The one who is in heaven itself. That, that reflection of what the tabernacle was. We talked about that the tabernacle is a reflection of heaven. And Jesus there at the incense altar praying for us, his people. That beautiful picture given to us already in the Old Testament, already in Exodus 30, Jesus interceding on our behalf. And Jesus, Jesus is our only intercessor. He is the one who is the one absolutely necessary to be bringing our prayers to God. We have no other intercessor. There are not many ways to God. There are not many ways to have access to Him. There are not many names in which we can pray. There is one name. The name of God's anointed, the name of His Son, the name of Jesus Christ the perfect high priest and intercessor. There was a time in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers this story is given to us when there were those who were rising up against Moses and against Aaron who were saying, why do you say that it's only through you that certain things can be done? Aren't we all able to do these things? God's blessed everybody. Why are you so important? God's anointed Aaron and Moses. We read that there were three in particular, Korah and Dathan and Abiram. We read in Exodus, uh, excuse me, in Numbers 16. And they rose up before Moses with the number of people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them. Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. He said to Korah and to all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will bring him near to him. 
the one whom he chooses he will bring near to him. He says to them, do this, take censers, Korah and all his company, put fire in them, put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow, and the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. You have gone too far. There's going to be this contest between those who say, look, we can all do these things. What's so special about your name, your intercession? No, we can all do it. The challenge between who God will choose, will it be his appointed? Will it be Aaron? Will it be Moses or anyone else? And the contest goes on, we read in verse 16. And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you and all your company before the Lord, you and they and Aaron tomorrow. Let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it, and every one of you bring it before the Lord, his censer, 250, and also Aaron, his censer. So every man took his censer and put fire in them, laid incense on them, and stood at the entrance of the tent of the meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. God was going to come in judgment. He was going to show who was his chosen. And that's exactly what he does. We pick up the story at verse 35. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to take up the censers out of the blaze and scatter the fire far and wide, for they have become holy. God would come and choose who would be his chosen one. And it was not anyone. It was not whoever they felt like. It was Aaron, God's appointed priest, the one through whom they could come. A picture, a picture of the singularity of Jesus Christ, our one and only high priest. We do not come to God in any name. We come to God in Jesus' name. He is the one intercessor for the people. He is their intercessor because he is also our Savior. There is a connection between Christ's intercession and his work of redemption. And that too is pictured in that same story in Numbers, a veiled reference in verse 46. Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put fire on it from off the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation. Make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron took it, as Moses said, and ran to the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. Aaron, the intercessor, is now called to go and make atonement for these people who were rejecting God even still, and a plague had broken out. Aaron, the intercessor, also becomes their means of atonement, their means of salvation. 
There is a connection between the altar of burnt offering, having our sins washed away, and the altar of incense, having our prayers heard by God. The connection in Jesus Christ between redemption and intercession. Jesus prays for His own. Jesus prays for His people. Jesus prays for those who have embraced Him by faith, by the work of God the Father through the power of the Spirit. The connection between redemption and intercession. Jesus, the one who saves us, is the one who prays for us. So I guess that leaves just one question. Is Jesus praying for you? Do you know the blessing of his intercession because you know the blessing of his redemption? Have you recognized him as not only the one and only intercessor, but the one and only redeemer? The only one able to make atonement for the sins of his people. Have you placed your faith, your trust in that one Jesus Christ alone? Knowing the, the, uh, the atonement of the altar for burnt, in, for, burnt incense, uh, for burnt offering, that you might also know the glory of the golden offer of incense. Having your prayers heard by Christ, having him intercede on your behalf, taking your prayers before his Father. We must know the truth of his redemption to know the blessing of his intercession. Oh, the wonderful work of Jesus Christ, pictured for us in so many ways in the Old Testament, pictured for us in a variety of ways, even in the tabernacle. Not only God's work toward us, but our response to him. May we leave here tonight with a, a greater sense of the privilege of prayer, the awe of prayer, to speak to the God of universe and know that we have one who takes even our, our halting and failing prayers and brings them to his Father that he might hear, that he might answer in his time and in his way. Let us join together in a time of prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your holy word. A word that from beginning to end reveals to us your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the clarity of that revelation in the New Testament. We thank you for the beautiful shadows and pictures and types that you give us in the Old Testament. Thank you, O oh God, for the altar of incense that even now we pray to you and you hear us, you listen. You are aware that we are calling upon you. An unbelievable privilege. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to appreciate this blessing and to avail ourselves of this blessing day after day after day as the incense was offered morning and evening. May our prayers continually rise to you. And thank you, O oh God, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who, even when we can't find the words to pray, 
knows our hearts, knows our minds, and intercedes on our behalf. Thank you for his glorious work and the blessing that is to us. Hear our prayer, O God, for we pray in the name of our ever-living intercessor, Jesus Christ. Amen. We turn to 518 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. 518. Come, my soul, with every care. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself bids you to pray. He will never turn away. He will never turn away. We're just going to sing the first four verses tonight, one through four of 518. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.